0: Welcome to Obesity, a Disease, the official Obesity Medicine Association podcast exploring the many facets of the disease of obesity. In this episode, OMA Chief Science Officer Dr. Harold Bayes leaves an article review with an industry expert. Obesity, a Disease podcast is brought to you by the Obesity Medicine Association, a clinical leader in obesity medicine.
1: Welcome. My name is uh, Dr. Harold Bayes, Medical Director and President of the Louisville Metabolic and Atherosclerosis Research Center located in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome to the Obesity Medicine Association podcast entitled, Obesity, a Disease. Uh, In this series of podcasts, uh, we examine and discuss some of the latest articles uh, in obesity research and in the clinical science um, of the treatment of our patients with the obesity. and We are very fortunate to have with us here today, uh, Tiffany Low Clayton. Uh, she is co-author of a recent clinical practice statement that was put out by the Obesity Medicine Association entitled, Obesity, Diabetes Mellitus, and uh, Cardiometabolic Risk. And I think that's just so important uh, for clinicians and obviously very important for our patients. So before we get started, uh, Dr. Clayton, can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what it is that you do?
2: Absolutely. And hello, Harold. Thank you for having me. Um, so my name is, uh, yes, Dr. Tiffany Lowe Clayton. I am a board-certified uh, family physician and also a, a diplomat of the American Board of Obesity Medicine. I currently practice in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, my practice is largely focused on non-surgical uh, medical weight loss um, in patients. And I'm also an assistant professor and director of clinical education at Campbell University School of Osteopathic Medicine, so very happy to be here and have this important discussion discussion with you
1: today. Uh, yes, and one of the other things I think people should know is um, you frequently served as um a moderator for educational programs for the obesity medicine association and I, I think that's just so important uh, to have that uh, ability and that and that skill to translate uh clinical science into the clinical care of uh, of uh, patients with uh, obesity. Uh so so let's just let's just get right into it, um, I think a focus on, I mean, it just sounds surreal to say this, but uh, you know, you've been there, I've been there, or people just, they just don't see it this way. Uh, I think that there is merit to saying, uh, if you have the overweight and the obesity and that's contributing to ill health, uh, this metabolism it's contributing to your diabetes and your hypertension or your dyslipidemia, or it's contributing to your fatty liver, that it's okay to focus on treating the obesity, right? If if, if it is the, the the adipocyte and the adipose tissue that is a trigger uh, for all these things, nobody is suggesting that genetics don't play a role. Clearly they do. So if you have a a person, one person that have a genetic predisposition to, to fatty liver, um, maybe they're gonna be more predisposed to milder increases in, in body fat to get a fatty liver. And you may have somebody else that has the overweight and obesity and has no fatty liver because of genetics and such. So nobody is denying the importance of other body tissues such as the liver in, in the contribution to to these metabolic diseases. What, what I think this article points out and 100% agree with it is that, uh, you know, there's this concept of what we call Occam's razor. And it's like sometimes... The simplest explanation is is the best. So if if you have all of these potential uh, etiologies or potential causes of things like uh, the diabetes and the hypertension, dyslipidemia, and fatty livers, um, if you want to assign a particular cause, even though it more like more than likely is due to multiple causes, picking out the one that most directly triggers these disorders and the one, and this is key, the one that is most easily reversible, that ought to be your cause. Like, so if you say, well, I have fatty liver predisposition because of um, for genetic predisp- predisposition, well, we're not, we're not in the age where you can get gene therapy, right, and replace all your genes for your hormones and such, I mean, for your receptors and such, your hepatic receptors, we're just not there. But we're absolutely there when it comes to knowing what a healthful diet is, right? Mm-hmm. What, what are healthful physical activities and such. So, so let's, let's keep our eye on the ball, right? Let's, let's, let's accept an adipocentric paradigm in those patients where, where we have a pretty good sense that that's what triggered uh, where they are currently. Now, again, I want to be hundred percent clear. There are cases of diabetes, cases of hypertension, cases of dyslipidemia that have nothing to do with body fat, but those right. are rare. Those are rare. Okay, For the vast majority of patients, um, adipocytes matter, right? Your adipose right. tissue matters. Right. Uh, and, and again, that kind of can-do you know, attitude, that kind of uh, optimism about, yes, this is something that I can, I can do right now whether it be proactive or reactive, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, that's a, that's a lot more favorable message than, sorry, nothing we can do about it. Yeah, right. So, how, how do you convey that sort of positivity that this is, that a lot of these things, consequences of the overweight and the obesity can be improved? How, how do you transmit that to patients?
2: Well, that's why I think, I think one of the things that I often say, and I'm here, many of my colleagues, including um, you, I'm sure you, you may think this as well. This is why I say, you know, I practice happy medicine um, because I'm in the, I'm in the, the business of helping people heal and not just giving them, um, treating them for, for medications uh, for other problems that they have, but really helping to improve or reverse these other co-morbid or, or chronic conditions that they have by helping them to lose the weight. It's, all about empowering our patients, yes, beyond the science, beyond everything that we we understand about the complexity of obesity and how it can lead to insulin resistance and prediabetes or, or type 2 diabetes and all of those things, to be able to help our patients understand that you can still do something about this by improving your lifestyle, by, by having a good um, eating plan, by becoming physically active um, to whatever that may be for that person. And by having a plan that's individualized for that person, by doing that with them helps to empower them. And I think that's half the battle. That's half the battle with the majority of patients that I see is helping them to even understand that they have everything inside as it is to already succeed. It's just pulling it out of them and being able to help them stay motivated to continue to make these long-term uh, changes in their life uh, for better outcomes. And and
1: this is happy what again? Happy what? Happy medicine. <laughs> happy medicine. Okay. Well, included within happy medicine would also be the, the medications and maybe bariatric surgery, correct?
2: Absolutely. And, and when it comes to anti-obesity medication in general, um, you know, anti-obesity medication is and should be a viable adjunct to a reduced calorie diet and to Uh, physical activity, otherwise known as um, lifestyle intervention, along with behavioral therapy, in a way to help our patients um, not only lose weight, but keep the weight off. Um, We know that there are many benefits to anti-obesity medication. And so what I would say to any provider who's questioning whether they should start their patients on these medications Absolutely, you should. Um, Of course, as an adjunct, you don't just want to do it in silo, but you absolutely should start these medications. And then those questions that we often get, well, how long do I need to keep these patients on medications? You keep them on medications as long as it works, as long as they can tolerate it, because you have to think about anti-obesity medications just like you would think about any other one. It's used for long-term use because as we've already established, obesity is a chronic disease state.
1: That's just uh, so well put. Um, and I think that I think the, the last thing that I would add <clears throat> that I think is it's in the article, but it was also implicit in what what you just said there. Let's just take, for example, the type 2 diabetes mellitus, and let's say the patient has this and they they'd say, uh, you know, I really don't want to have the diabetes. I would prefer if I had my choice between having diabetes and not having diabetes, I would prefer not to have it. Is there a way that I can make it go away? Well, the fact is, there are things that can be done in order to have the diabetes go into remission. Now, I'm not a big fan of the word cure because I think people are always uh, susceptible to having the diabetes once you have it. Uh, but But there's certainly the potential in many of our patients, not all, but many of our patients for remission. And what are the factors that are most important towards remission of the diabetes mellitus. And this is explicitly in this article. Uh, The main dietary uh, factor leading to type two diabetes mellitus remission is the degree uh, that nutritional intervention promotes weight reduction, regardless of the diet type. The main contributor to sustain type two diabetes remission in a weight management program is sustained weight reduction. Type two diabetes mellitus remission after bariatric surgery is more likely to occur with extensive weight reduction. So as obesity medicine specialists, we have every reason, every scientific reason to focus upon uh, adipocytes and adipose tissue to uh to, to, to reduce that adipocyte hypertrophy, to reduce adipose tissue accumulation, Uh, with the understanding that the science supports that when you do that, you're going to have improvements in uh, the immunopathies. You're going to have improvements in the endocrinopathies. You're gonna have improvements in reducing the risk of these metabolic diseases. You're gonna have improvements, hopefully we'll see in the clinical trials, in reduction of cardiovascular disease events. And I think, the the evidence in cancer is equally compelling, whether it be uh, reducing the risk of uh, future cancers or improving the treatment of existing cancer and reducing the risk of recurrent cancer, uh, treating the obesity really does matter because as I think we said from the very beginning, obesity is a disease. So, Daphne, if you could take this home and give any kind of concluding Remarks with regard specifically with regard to um, uh, what do you think clinicians most need to know? What sort of takeaway message uh, do you think clinicians uh, might best have in treating their patients uh, with the obesity, with the overweight who have the type two diabetes mellitus? I think the take-home
2: message is that one, we want to know that that. When we speak about um, obesity and the risk of um, having um, increased adipose tissue, um, it's not just a a energy storage organ or it's not just a fat mass disease, but that um, that adipose tissue is metabolically active and it can increase the risk of disease states, including insulin resistance and diabetes. So as you just said, the thing that we want to do in these patients to improve their risk and improve their overall health outcomes is to treat the obesity. Um, with that being said, it does have to be individualized for your patients. So it's important to understand all of the aspects um, into why this person may be having the disease. Uh, the disease of obesity and or diabetes, I always say um, it's important to understand the why behind the what. So really taking a good history on your patients, understanding everything that's going on with them from their family history to other medications to social determinants of health, all of these things are extremely important. And then developing a plan for that patient, that's going to work for them. Whether it's developing a exercise program for that patient by helping them to um, come up with an exercise prescription that fits them, whether it is helping them with a a healthy eating plan that's going to help them to be able to maintain a um a healthy caloric balance as well as the quality of food that they're eating, um, or whether it's treating them with anti-obesity medication, which we've already established is very 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 effective in helping patients, not just with obesity, but improving their uh, their glycemic control all of these things are going to be individualized for the patient. Then it's ultimately at the end of the day important to help the patient understand that when it comes to improving these outcomes it is going to be a journey not a destination. This is a lifestyle that they're going to have to make sure that they maintain and they need to do that with the assistance of their you know of their clinician who they trust and who they can work with over the long period of time to ensure that they not only um are able to meet these health objectives, but that they
1: can maintain them in the long run. Yeah, I, well, I, I think that's exactly right. And I think most every obesity medicine specialist would agree with you. It's got to be patient-centered. It's got to be culturally sensitive. It's And, it, and it's got to be with an understanding about uh, what is available, what treatments and options are available to patients and what are not available. And and then taking all those things and putting it all together and developing the best um, individualized uh, treatment plan you know, based upon all these factors. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Clayton. This has been extraordinary. Um, I think this is a, a, a pretty good overview of uh, many of the uh, topics that were covered uh, in this clinical practice statement put out by the Obesity Medicine Association. So again, I thank you. And I want to thank you, the listener. You've been listening to Obesity... A Disease, a a podcast put out by the Obesity Medicine Association.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Obesity, a Disease. For more information about Obesity Medicine podcasts and other valuable resources from the clinical leaders in obesity medicine, please visit www.obesitymedicine.org backslash podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode and want to listen regularly, head over to iTunes where you can subscribe, rate, and leave us a much appreciated review. The views expressed in this episode are those of the host and guest and do not necessarily represent the opinions, beliefs, or policies of the Obesity Medicine Association or its members. Please join us again for our next episode of Obesity, a Disease.